You are listening to the Grand Central Sports Podcast, covering New York sports and beyond. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Grand Central Sports. I'm Andrew Van Cura alongside Ricky Valerio and Gavin O'Grady. As I always say, boys, how are we doing tonight? Doing great, man. Doing great. Yeah, we're doing well tonight. Uh, Could have been better, but, you know, we're doing all right. I'm detecting optimism from you, Ricky, on that note. Please start us off. (laughs) So... You know, the last over the past weekend and including tonight, uh, we had the Knicks two games, um, one against the worst opponent in the league, um, potentially worst in history, like on pace for one of the worst records in the Rockets. I was expecting a, a blowout win there. Um, and I remember I was texting um, one of our buddies and he was saying how there's absolutely no question this is going to be like a tie game late in the game, it's going to be neck and neck. And I was like, bro, we should blow them out. We should, I shouldn't even have to watch the second half of this game. And, and sure enough, the the Rockets just ran with us the entire night. And it, it's, it was concerning to see that like the Rockets, the Rockets knew that they had a chance to win that game. They, they were fired up and they were amped up and they were ready to take down the Knicks at the garden. Again, another home loss, but uh, big props. Alex, Alec Burks, I mean, six or seven from deep. He, he won us that game. You know, it, the Knicks are not winning um, Saturday night if it wasn't for him. Um, I've had a lot of criticism between friends about Alec Burks. I'm personally not a big fan of him. You're on I record know, on this show hating on Alec Burks. Yeah, I, that is true. I know some people do want him to be starting over either Kemba or Fournier. I can understand that, honestly, at this point, because especially looking at tonight's game against the Bulls, uh, Kemba and Fournier were like nowhere to be found. And I feel like that's just been like a reoccurring thing. Like, that's the bigger issue I think we're getting into here. Is yeah. Like the Knicks assembled this, and Fournier? This, this great backcourt supposedly uh, over the offseason between Kemba and Fournier, who are two guys who on paper should be perfect to work together. That should be like a perfect match. And it just, it's not working. And it, it's sad because they, they talk about how, you know, Fournier can drive, you know, he's not just a, a spot up shooter and we sort of kind of are starting to see it, but like not enough. He's not really doing much. He He's more like a catch and shoot or dishes. And if he were to drive, maybe it would make things a little better and open up the offense a bit. But when you look at it tonight, um, they, they did absolutely nothing. Big props to Randall. He had a he had a big game. He did, you know, he was getting doubled, so he was he was struggling a little bit with the double team. He couldn't get out of it. They couldn't figure it out. So that kind of led to some turnovers, some bad shots, shot clock violations. But you can't blame it all on Randall. The Bulls did a good job of doubling him. He still managed to drop, I think, thirty or at least close to thirty. Um, well, that was tonight, obviously. In the Rockets game, it was he continued to struggle. Um, but tonight I think was a get right game for Randall, despite a loss, but it was a loss in Chicago to a potential, I would say top three team in the East at this point who we have on paper at least. Yeah. Yeah. On paper. I mean, on paper, I mean, you got DeRozan and Levine, just them two, just have those two guys to go off each other in the fourth quarter is insane. And then they were saying DeRozan leads the league in points in the fourth quarter, I think DeRozan's a very underrated player and a lot of people like tend to forget about him. And I'm, I will say I'm one of those guys. Yeah. Like, I just kind of like, feel like I always put him under the radar until he'll, he's going to drop 25 on me and, and win the game. Well, you know what it is with DeRozan is he's one of those guys. He's never really, how do I put this? He's never really gotten any different. Like he's been the same guy yeah. for like 10 years. He does the same thing. He's never really gotten a better three ball. His three balls meh. And like, it's, it's fine. Like he's not going to shoot a million of them. Right. He's not going to shoot many of them to be honest. He'll shoot like two or three a game. He makes his money in the mid range, which is just kind of an undervalued thing nowadays. Mm-hmm. But I will say when he was in San Antonio, the big uh, improvement I saw there was his playmaking. He got to be a much better distributor. Whereas in Toronto, he was more of a, uh, just a ball down a guy. But yeah, he's been great for the bulls this year. And you add him Levine, and obviously Lonzo Ball, and arguably the defensive player of the year right now, and Alex Caruso, fight me <laughs> on that. I mean, he's averaging almost three assists, uh, man is, uh, three steals a game. That man is playing out of his mind. Yeah. And you were right, this is definitely a get-right game for Randall, but he was putting up, like, LeBron 07 Cavs numbers compared to his teammates. Like, that's what that looked like. 
I mean, you just look at a brief look at the box score. This is the starting lineup. Randall dropped 34, 10, and 3. The next highest score is RJ at 9, who went 2 for 12, 0 for from the arc. Did somehow have 15 rebounds, which is kind of absurd. Yeah. But And, two and they were playing small the whole game, though. That, that's, yeah, that's, that's why, too. I mean, that's kind of a thing to go with the Bulls because the Bulls were playing small, though, too. I think, actually, I think Tony Bradley was the Bills, the, was the Bulls' starting center, on paper, at least. Yes, it was. They uh, Well, I think Vooch is out right now. So they've yeah, been running I, didn't, I honestly didn't even realize that until I was, like, watching the game, and I was like, oh, wait, he's not yeah, playing. Yeah, Vooch has been out, so they've been running that small lineup. Uh, they've been actually running DeRozan, I think, at the four and Levine at the three. And they're running, like, Caruso at the two a lot of nights. Mm-hmm. So it's a very small lineup. And obviously, um, uh, no Mitchell Robinson for this game. So he had Norman's Noel, who was who was fine. He, 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 did he was job. fine, but honestly, like, it's not a huge deal. But I think if we have Mitch, I think it could be a little bit of a different game because it, it, it's more of a threat on offense, you know? I agree, he, yeah. He's a monster. He, he put on so much weight. He's, he's like 270 pounds now. And with the Bulls trying to run small, they would not be able to run small if we got Mitch Robb healthy. Like, Mitch Robb is a threat. Not to put up 25 points. But, you know, maybe a double-double, like 10-10, you know, 12-8, and eight, whatever, a couple oops, and just an intimidator on defense. Exactly. You know, I, I just – I think were it they, was were they missing? Bit... Were they missing Taj, too, tonight? Yeah. So, uh, it, Noel was running most of the night. Then they had Sims and then who barely played, and they kind of ran a, just a small unit the whole day where they had – three guards and RJ and Randall or Toppin and props to Toppin who who's really been progressing this year. I, I love the one what thing I was kind of disappointed in though tonight, Obi Toppin only 13 minutes. You'd think in a game where you were missing so many bigs, he'd see some more time. Right. But you finally had Julius Randall playing the way he did last year. Right. So I think that's part of it. And Probably as I yeah. said, um, if you remember going on my rant last episode about how Randall literally only shot three pointers in their last game, um, not against Houston, but the game before that. Tonight, he only shot two threes and managed to drop 30-plus. So that just goes to show you that what I've been preaching during this whole podcast is that they don't they need to stop just forcing so many threes. They don't, there's no need to be shooting up so many threes. Manual and, quickly. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna point it out. It it's one bad game. You know, he he's been really, really been good. Great. Yeah. He, I, mean, I mean, we're not like we're not like five games over 500. So you can't say he's been carrying. Cause it's not like we're winning that much, but he's really been a spark off the bench. Him and D Rose have just really, really been great off the bench. Absolutely. For and you know, there's somebody I do want to get on here. You were starting to get on earlier. We didn't really mention it, but he's kind of been shielded by Kemba, not necessarily being great. Specifically. I want to, I want to tear into Evan Fournier a little bit here. I'm sorry. 22 minutes tonight, three points on seven shots. You made one shot. And it wasn't even a three. I think, what was it? He made like, uh, he must have made a free throw or something at some point then to get that other point. But this I guy, <laughs> I mean, just what did they pay him? What What is the contract for Fournier? About 18 mil a year, something like that. It's a um, lot of money. It's a, And it was term too. It's a three-year deal with a team option. So this is a bigger topic that I want to get into. I don't know if we'll get into it today, but have the Knicks year, by the way. handcuffed their roster for the future with the guys they've invested in because you know they've invested the big money in Randall they gave Fournier that decent contract obviously Kemba they played a little cheap which was nice but then they also locked up their bench at kind of an expensive rate you got D-Rose making about what 13 14 15 mil somewhere around there for the next few years uh Noel's making about 10 some of these young uh Burks is making about 10 um I don't know what they paid Gibson something around six I think RJ is going to be doing an extension, not this, not this upcoming year, but next year, I think. So you're going to have to look at some point and it's like, where's the improvement on this roster going to come from? Like you said, we could talk about it later, but for, for a short answer, it, it's probably potentially you could say that. Um, and I, and you could see why with how they're playing right now. Um, maybe <laughs> that's the answer. Like you in a short, like, you know, like maybe. All right, should we move to the Nets? Yeah, so wait, before we move to the Nets, um, just for the Knicks, they uh, this upcoming Tuesday, they take on the Lakers from Madison Square Garden, 7.30 p.m. tip. 
Um, that is a big game. Is LeBron so, playing? Because I know he got ejected versus the Pistons. That is, is that going to have any effect on the next That game? depends clearly on what the NBA wants to do. I would say most likely not because the NBA, you know how they are with LeBron. Um, and I don't know if you guys saw what happened tonight in Detroit, but that was just absolutely yeah. wild. It was, yeah. Isaiah Stewart looked like a WWE superstar going. Yeah, I was. That was hilarious. Yeah, I. So I don't. I, I So I honestly think he'll be in the lineup um, for the Lakers. But yeah, so that's a big game for the Knicks. Um, it's Lakers. A big game for the Lakers too. They need. To, yeah. They need to start stringing some wins together. Yeah. So both teams um, looking to get back in the win column for sure. So uh, did the Lakers lose tonight or no? They managed they were to down. Win. They managed to win, actually. Oh, they Russell, did? Okay. Russell, Russ yeah. went nuts in the fourth quarter. All right, fair enough, because I remember I watched the first – or at least saw the first half score. And yeah, I Ru- Russ, I believe, went nuts in, like, the last seven minutes or something. Okay, so, yeah, so that, uh, that'll be Knicks-Lakers Tuesday night um, from the Garden, 7.30 tip. That's a big game for both teams, especially for our Knicks. So, moving on to the Nets. And, uh, wow, the Nets. Um. The Magic, they played the Magic on Friday night. Um, they barely, let's let's say a state, let's use the word escape for what took place. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, they won by two points. Uh, they had no Kevin Durant, but with that talent on that team, they should probably be winning. Um, regardless, they obviously did, and you know we, that's good for the Nets. But uh, the Magic, I remember, I actually remember seeing the score after one and looking and. Thought that was a mistake, honestly, when I saw 41-25 and they were down 16 after the first quarter. I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, James Harden, 36 points, 313 from three, 725 from overall. But once again, going back to how he's done it in the past, take turning back the clock a little bit from last season or from when he was on Houston mainly is what I'm talking about. 19 of 20 from the free throw line. That is incredible. Getting to the line yeah, that many times. Getting to the line that many times and then being able listen, there I, I guess they're free throws for a reason, but still 23 throws and you go 19 to 20, that's pretty freaking good. So um that's you know, that was another point of emphasis. Um, but the yeah. Any other for you guys, any other thing you noticed besides I mean for the Nets who you know could we make an argument that Harden's like the best free throw shooter in the league? Or uh, like there's at certainly least an argument the there. Ones? There's certainly an argument there, strictly for the fact that it gets to the line probably one of the like out of them, out of most guys, he gets the line up there. He's he's up there. I, I think mean, the only real takeaway outside of that for this Nets team in this is it shines another light on the fact that do they have an overrated depth? Like, is their depth more name power than actual contrib- uh, contributions at this point? I mean, I know they played decent tonight, but I feel like games like this shine a light on the fact that if they don't have at least two of their superstars on the court. They're just not that good. This team reminds me – well, not this team, but the team Friday night that we saw reminded me of just the James Harden that we've seen in Houston when he was kind of by himself. Elevated. If, if Harden faster, wasn't yeah. putting up 40 points and getting to the line 15 to 20 times, they weren't winning. And as you can see, they they beat an, a pretty bad Magic team by only two. Mind you, the Knicks have lost twice to him, But that's beside the point. But, I mean, I, I really do think that if you just take out Kevin Durant for one night for rest, or in this case, I think it was a shoulder that was bothering him, this team is – is anybody can beat this team if it's just James Harden. Because anybody can just beat one player, you know. And when you take away KD, and obviously not having Kyrie too, but when, you know, they've been playing without him, so you just don't even count him at this point. When you take away KD, it really is just – it reminds me of Harden back in Houston where it's, it's Harden or nothing, and that's that's really all they're going to get. But I think KD's fine. You know, I think it was just precaution. This team is still a lethal team, and I think the defense is <clears> – <throat> it's a little questionable. You know, giving up 41 points to the Magic in the first quarter, they were able to at least hold them off late in the game. Um, you know, they came away with a win, like we said. On This is one of the biggest things me and Gav said. We don't argue a win. We're not going to complain about a win, you know. Um, they did it without KD. I would have definitely liked to to see them win by more than two to prove that it's not just Harden and KD show. But at the same time, they really didn't do that. So it 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 does go to show you that aside from Harden and KD, it it 
can be a little nerve wracking that if they play like a team like the Knicks, for example, if the Knicks are on their best game, when Harden and KD have to sit, the Knicks should be able to run. But most teams, yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm just I'm just giving you an example of how deep the Knicks are. And you look at a team like the Nets and it's like you got LaMarcus Aldridge, who's, you know, solid. Patty Mills has been OK. He's inconsistent. I think Blake Griffin's done. You know, yeah. it's, and it's other than that, it's like, I mean, you got Joe Harris, too. You forget about Joe Harris. He's he's a quality player. You know, he's a he shoot the three ball. Shooter. Definitely. So. Yeah, he's been, I think he's been overtaken by the memes. I'm not going to lie. I think people just I think mean, of the memes when they think of Joe Harris. Yeah. Yeah. It well, was just kind of yeah. funny. You look at you look at the two New York teams for basketball, and it's really this two worlds dynamics. You've got two teams like built in complete opposite directions. One Very built true. with a large amount of depth, and the other built around a couple of stars. And right now, the Nets are showing that their approach is better. It's working, you know. But um, Ricky, one other thing I wanted to ask you. you so. uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you, Rick. I know we. Uh, kind of cut the segment a little quick. You had a take on Kyrie you wanted to get in last week. You want to get that in now? Oh, I don't even remember what the question was. <laughs> you asked a specific question, but I believe I, it uh, was uh should Katie feel betrayed by Kyrie? Should the Nets organization feel betrayed by Kyrie? Oh, oh, yeah. Um uh you kind of put me on the spot now. <laughs> but um <clears throat> going back to the whole the whole COVID thing, like I think it's very, very unfair that he's not allowed to play. When you look at the league, you got 26 other teams where you can – or I don't even know if I did that math right because I don't know what cities – I know it's New it's, York, L.A. It's yeah. something like that. It's the California teams and the New York teams. Okay, so maybe 25 other teams where something their players like that, yeah. can – they can play freely and they don't have to get this vaccine that they don't want. And obviously me, I'm pro-vaccine. I got it, whatnot. But I, I do agree with the people that don't understand, like are nervous of what's to come, yeah. you know, that's and fair, I don't think fair. it should be forced upon them to have it. It's really not fair that a, a guy that's not vaccinated can come into the garden or the Barclays Center or the Staples Center and they can play unvaccinated. Agreed. But a guy like Kyrie Irving can't. So I don't think I don't think they should feel betrayed by that because obviously Kyrie's a nut, nut job. He's always in the media about he's he's off the, the flatter or so due to like personal issues rather than yeah. injury you know what i mean he's always right. been like this but this is just something not that i'm taking his side but like i don't blame him for this because i don't think he should have to be vaccinated to play when i'd when say road players 80, don't have to either ish yeah. percent of the league it's not required i agree i think it's it's kind of an indictment on the nba in a way where it's like obviously i don't think they want to come out and just force it um but you're an indoor sport and the fact that you're you're mandating that home players do it, but I mean, well, not really. The New York teams are mandating that her home players do it, but the road players can come in, and it's no issue. It's just kind of That's a weird. Point. It's a weird dynamic. And Gap, I don't know. You might know better than me. For hockey, is it is it mandatory? Like, does everybody on the Rangers and the Islanders have the vaccine, or is it? Well, different? it's I not that it's essentially mandatory, but um, but I told I said this on the last podcast. The NHL has a 99% vaccination rate. I don't know if that's because – it's probably mainly because of Canada and how strict, so, yeah. strict the Canadians were with it. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen when the Rangers have played up in Canada this year, all the coaches have worn masks on the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a different uh, way of living up there right now in terms of the restrictions and what you can and cannot do um, than here. So with that being said, the NHL is obviously a little bit different. Um, and I don't know. I feel like the, I feel like the NHL has always been one of those leagues that doesn't garner as much attention and players aren't as flashy as maybe some of the guys in the NBA are. And yeah, uh, Kyrie's just one of those personalities, but I, I, Ricky, to the point, I mean, yeah, I agree too. It's, it stinks, especially because it's literally just because of the fact that he's in New York. I mean, New York is probably one of the strictest places right now in the yeah, United New States. Yeah, New York and Cali. Yeah, yeah it's New York. It's New York and Los Angeles, really. And yeah, it stinks that because, like uh, Andrew, you gave a great example. Um, even just you know being in being close to where this is, but in DC, for example, Bradley Beal is unvaccinated, but he gets yep. to still play every home game for the Wizards. Yep. You know, it just literally depends. And we're what four hours south. 
Not no. even, I don't think. Uh, of DC? Yeah, probably, like, about, it's, probably about three, four And not hours, only can he play at the home games, but he can play at the Garden. And the yeah, he can play at the Garden, yes. Which yes. is just ridiculous, you but know? It, you know, you have to look at it. It's, it's the rule of the city, not necessarily right. the league. And that's why, no, and that's why, that's why, that's why it, he hasn't, he really, that's why they've been obviously pretty strict with it. Like, so really, if you're the league, what do you do? Do you, do you kind of just pass it off and just say, well, tough luck guys, which is yeah, that's what, what they, they are. Yeah. That kind that seemingly of is what yeah. they're doing or do you yeah. mandate it across the league, which no, I don't think they can. Players, I, yeah, I think. yeah. I don't see a mandate coming if, if they're, it's, it's already been how long and they really, this is what they're doing. They're rolling it this way and yeah, they're not going to really change anything, but no, not before we move to hockey, season, least, yeah. the, uh, the Nets, they're going to take on, they got two road games against the tough Cavs team tomorrow night. We'll tonight when you will Who be thought here. We'd it? say the Cavs are a tough team this year. Yeah. Right. Scrappy. Then, uh, they're scrappy. The Celtics on Wednesday night, that should be a good game. But uh, dude, the Evan Mobley's going to, you know, Evan Mobley might be rookie of the year. He's a dog. That yeah, great and by that. the way, that Celtics team just smacked the Lakers around at TD Garden the other night. Mm-hmm. So Dennis that's Schroeder. Good. Yeah, and we 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 said the Knicks got the Lakers, right? We did. Yes, we said yeah. the Knicks the Lakers next. Yeah. yeah, I hope I hope that that's a huge dub. We got to kill them. I'd love well, that'll that. be that'll definitely be like national TV game. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But for uh, sure. moving on to the Rangers here, so uh, we played one of the probably the hottest team in the Leafs on Thursday night. Oh, absolutely night. the hottest team in the Leafs. Smoking uh, hot. White a hot. Tough, White a tough hot 2-1 game. loss. I mean, I didn't catch the whole game. I was able to catch the second and the third period. Better and off. You're better off. Yeah, the third period was really the game, honestly. Dude, that third period, the last couple of minutes, I was just glued to the TV, just waiting for a goal. That third that was... period felt like playoff hockey. That's what that third period felt like. Yeah. Yeah, Um. with that being said, I mean – they played so sloppily early on. Oh, agreed. It they was horrible. In the it was period. so tough to watch. And I, and I will be honest, the shots after the first period were actually seven to five in the Rangers favor, which is crazy. It's like, Oh, you only held them to five shots, but majority of the majority of the end, like majority of the time, the puck was in our zone. Um, they obviously had the lead after one. And then after two it was two, nothing. Um, mostly, like I said, mostly in our own end. Um, and then the third came, and we just played fantastic. Honestly, one of the, yeah. one of the better periods of the year. Um, a note thing was Dryden Hunt scored his first NHL goal. Good for him. Uh, yeah, good for him. Fourth line guy. Um, he battles. So listen, it was cool. Yeah. Ski, cool to see a new guy score a goal. Obviously, yeah. and he's young too. He's a yeah, young and guy. With, and with Sammy Blay out now for the year, he'll be getting a lot more playing time. Yeah. So yeah, we had had chances. It was a tough loss in Toronto. And it was funny because I was seeing things on Twitter, like just like being a Rangers fan, how all these like bloggers and stuff react to the loss. Oh, God. And, and everyone kind of came to the same consensus. Like, and I even, it was even that of mine too, that we played so much better in Toronto this second time and lost than the time. The first time that, when we won. And the yeah. first time when we won. And Outside it's, of overtime. And yeah. it's just kind of crazy how the game works, obviously. But that was kind of funny to see. Everyone's like, I don't understand how we didn't win the game. We we should have potted at least two or three in the end. You know, uh, that shout out to Jack Campbell. Yeah. He played well for Toronto. I was about so. to say Jack Campbell's the Vesna winner right now. Jack yeah. Jack Campbell is playing, He's playing fantastic. Level. Playing fantastic. But you know, you contribute in hockey when it comes to the way the Rangers played that third period, you'd have great shots. Sometimes you don't hit the net. That's the same thing with like baseball. You hit a hard line drive, but you hit it right in an outfielder. Yeah. It's just how sports work sometimes. Yeah. And then obviously um, we were supposed to play this Saturday against Ottawa in Ottawa, but it got canceled. They have a COVID outbreak. So we moved. Canadian team have a COVID outbreak. It's just like one of the, we talked, yeah, we talked about that last show kind of just ran, ran through their room and that's kind of how it it started. But now tonight we, uh, we took on the Sabres, a crazy overall game. Um, It honestly started out kind of slow. It was one, one after one. Um, Buffalo played a good first period. Um, we tied it up at the end of the first on the power play. It was Chris Kreider again. Unbelievable. That guy's a menace. Absolute menace in front of the net. Um, incredible. Uh, we were lucky to be tied up though with them after one. And then the second, that's where things just the floodgates opened. I've never seen a period like this. Uh, after two, the score was four to four. It went, uh, so how'd it go? They went up two one. Right, the, no, they the, went uh, down Buffalo. Two one. They went, uh, yeah, Buffalo, Buffalo went, went up, up two, two one. one. Yeah, Buffalo went up two. Then it was we tied, tied it. it right. Yeah, and then, we went Buffalo, New York, Buffalo, New York, Buffalo, New York. 
I believe. We, right. No, we uh, took the lead. We took the lead at a point. Lead? Kako with scored. Eight, with eight minutes left, we were tied 2-2, and Kako scored to, make, to put us up one. And within those 80 seconds, yeah. Kako scored to put us up, and then Buffalo tied it, took the lead, and then we tied it back in 80 yeah. seconds. Yeah, that was Keandre Miller, because I remember he tied it. Um, and then it was 4-4 most of the you know third period as well. And then, oh, my God, at the end, uh, it looked like Tage Thompson of the Sabres. He was just trying to keep the puck in the corner, wait, wait yep. for the clock to run out. And then Kreider was able to – I mean, Kreider's an absolute bull Kreider's in the corner too. He's strong. Strong guy. He pushes the puck out from underneath the skate, centers it to Fox. Fox is a banjad. It's a banjad to linger in. And the puck crossed the goal line. Zero point, I think, seven seconds they put back no, up on the clock. Four, point zero. Zero point, it was point, point zero. When it happened, they put point three back on the clock, so it was point seven. Okay, yeah, so so it was point four left, but um, or point seven left, whatever it was, they scored with less than a second to go, basically sealed. That was a, that's the definition of a buzzer beater. That, of, you know, that is the buzzer beater of hockey. Yeah, so that was a crazy ending. Um, like. Our two, our two stars again. Panarin had three assists. Uh, Fox also had three assists, uh, contributing once again to most of the offense. They're incredible. They made uh, Panarin might not be you know necessarily putting the puck in as much. Doesn't need he, to, dude. He, he's setting everybody up though. He, he yeah, he's the he's got. If if this were basketball, to put it in the perspective for people yeah. who are not the biggest hockey fans, if this were basketball. Artemi Panarin is the point guard. He is the facilitator. He's like Chris he Paul in his prime. He's the Chris Paul of hockey. He he's, just runs. He's nuts. He runs the offense. And then more importantly, we you know it, we saw obviously it was a high scoring game. That's in you know an eye catcher when you're at, like if you're checking the score and you're like holy crap it's four to four in the second like the hockey game. What the heck? Is yeah. Going on? In the third period, the Rangers actually benched Alexander Georgiev, their backup goalie, oh. and they put in Shesterkin and. I'm going to be honest with you, Shesterkin only faced three shots. I don't know if you guys knew that. Yeah, yeah, I know. We Uh, outshot uh, them like 13 to three or something like that in the third period. And he he faced three easy shots. um, But the message was sent. Georgiev was benched. And Galan basically said if if he can't get the job done, you know, uh, when we need to get wins, we need to stack up wins. And we're going with our top guy. Igor gets the win tonight, right? Or no? How does Um, that work? I yeah, think so. Uh, yes, because yeah, because yeah, he was he was in when they won. It's kind of similar to like a pitcher in baseball. Whoever's in when the team is winning at the yeah. uh, when okay. they have their final winning score uh, gets the win, I believe. Yeah, so we ended up like that a five to four win over Buffalo, and oh my god, this team is incredibly hot. Um, and we are moving on in terms of in terms of schedule. This is the big picture. Um, Wednesday night is our next game at the brand new UBS arena, um, in Belmont park. We play, play the, take on our rival, the Islanders, and they are slumping hard. We'll get into the Islanders in, in a little bit, but that's who we, we play next. And then black Friday, uh, we'll talk about that more in the next podcast, but we yeah. take on the, we take on the Boston Bruins in Boston. Uh, that'll be a great game, but that's big picture for the Rangers. You guys, what else you guys got? Oh boy, I've been waiting to do this. Yeah, go I despise ahead. Alexander Georgiev. I absolutely despise him. Like, if I had to pick someone on the Rangers who I could just, there's everybody on every one of my favorite teams, there's someone who I just say I could, I wish they just could get shot into the sun sometimes. Alexander Georgiev is that person. I, I despise him. You need, if you're serious about making a decent playoff run this year, because I feel like the goal for the Rangers at this point, I know it's early in the season, obviously. But I feel like at least in fans' minds, the goal for this season has changed. The goal originally was making the playoffs this season. It was just making it to the dance. Now it seems probably getting out of the first round seems to be uh, the thought process. If you want to do that, you need a better backup goaltender than Georgiev. Shesterkin cannot play every night. Obviously, that's just not how hockey works. He, you need some relief. And the teams that make it deep, especially in the playoffs and in the late season, are the teams that have depth at goaltender. Uh, if you look at recent years when Dallas went on their run, uh, obviously Anton Hudobin stepping up. Uh, Vegas, obviously, with Laner and Flurry. I'm not saying you need two starting caliber guys, but I look at a team like San Jose right now, who's probably going to be selling um, come the deadline 
you know, I had this in my head before we started the podcast, and I'm now just blanking on the goaltender I wanted to talk about. Give me one second here. Um, is it James Reimer? I want to say it's James Reimer. If he's on, he's on the um, Sharks, so yes. that would be yes, him. Yes, it's James Reimer. A guy like that, if he would be available come the trade deadline, would be someone I'd want to look at. Uh, obviously, 33 last year, their uh, one-year contract. Right now, he has a 1.98. Uh, goals against average and a 0.938 save percentage in nine games like he's currently splitting with their young goalie hill that's the type of guy you need i I wanted a veteran goaltender to back up shesterkin and that's the type of guy i'd want i'm I'm gonna be honest though i'm gonna be honest uh, you know especially in on twitter and stuff i've seen ranger fans kind of calling they're calling for keith kincaid to get called up and he is i mean he is and it he is an NHL journeyman, right? And he's playing NHL. Obviously, he started at a point in his career. He's killing it in the minors right now. I instead of like maybe at the trade deadline, and maybe that move would make sense. But yeah, not now. No, that would yeah. Be a trade. In terms, be a, that'd be yeah, a, uh, that'd be a trade deadline move. Like I think the Devils did the right thing because they have Mackenzie Blackwood and Jonathan Bernier, and Bernier is a decent backup. He, I think him yes. and Black. And at some points in the season, even they've been interchangeable in terms of start. There's no fluids, like there's no rock hard, solid starter every night. You know what I'm saying? It's the position's been pretty fluid. Um, Absolutely. So I think the Devils did that, did that right. Georgia, they were saying tonight, they just don't think his development um, has gone. I think it's completely, it's completely stalled. He's He's lost all confidence in himself. Um, his goals against average before the game was a three seven seven. I mean, that is going to be more big. after this. It's going to be more after this. It's over that was a four now. It's like it's a four one. The four one. I mean, that is ter- that's terrible for an NHL goaltender. It oh, really it is. That's a tro- that's atrocious. Actually, that's not even. Yeah, that's no other that's words just about downright it. bad. Yeah, and honestly, like you're putting yourself, you're putting your team, you know, in risk of of losing. You know. You're putting from the, the, from the jump, where have, where they have to from the jump, without even without even the puck dropping, you're putting your team at a disadvantage by having a, a guy like that in net. So uh, that's something the Rangers are going to have to figure out. Definitely, that's definitely something to look forward to, Andrew, because they, uh, you're right. The Georgiev has been awful. I thought he had potential. Um, he played well uh, when Shesterkin was hurt two seasons ago. He, I thought he maybe could be that guy, or at least uh, at least if he was that guy. Maybe we should have traded him when he was playing extraordinarily well. That's what my dad always wanted. Which the is comparison here but... is Auntie Ranta. Like when Ranta had that stretch in New York where he was playing really solid, they dealt him to the Yotes for a decent package. Yeah, that, and that's the comparison here. You have your goalie. So where you got Tony D'Angelo from? Like that trade. Yeah, I mean at the time it was a good deal. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you're right. The only other thing I wanted to bring up is after the game, the whole uh, thing where Gallant was yelling at Mika. If you guys want to know what that was, I did find out. What so apparently it? right before the goal, I saw this. I don't know if you guys saw right before the goal, uh, when the Rangers moved the puck into the zone, Zibanejad, Zibanejad got clocked at center ice. Like he, he got hit and he left his feet. Yeah. Um, apparently he was uh, yelling to the ref. He wanted the call on that. He wanted the penalty. And Gallant was yelling at him to forget about and get in the zone because he thought they had a chance to put the puck in the net. And Miko was kind of just standing there. Obviously, he did eventually make his way into the zone. <laughs> yeah, and set up Lindgren to win the set game. Set up Lindgren but... to win the game. But that is apparently what uh, Gerard Gallant was uh, screaming at him about. I don't, mind him being t- I don't mind him being tough on, on our guys like that at all. Yeah. I just say I mean, wait to the locker room for that. Like you just want a nail biter. Maybe hey, maybe, maybe wait to the locker room. If he happens. was making that much of a deal about it, though, Gallant just knowing how he coaches and yeah. he's he's like even after he's a watching all, coach, yeah. yeah, yeah. But even after watching all of his press conferences, he's a pretty relaxed guy. Um, even on the bench, he's not like a John Tortorella firebrand like reacting oh, like that. No, but he's not like that at all. Is yeah. what I'm saying. So if he felt it was that serious, uh, serious to address on the ice, especially after a win, then he addressed it. Yeah, I, I'm cool with it. I mean, I, I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, I just want to say just noteworthy things. Uh, Capo Caco, another goal tonight. Um, Three-game point streak starting to come alive. 
Uh, he's had a few goals, few assists these last few games. Uh, that's encouraging. And then Ryan Strom, six-game point streak, uh, his longest of his career. So uh, that is another thing. The Rangers have not had any contract negotiations with Strom take place. He's due to get signed. Uh, that's another thing we kind of have to worry about. And if we if we want to do something about that, if I had the bet right now, I think they lose him. I just, yeah, I just don't think they're going to be able to pay him. Yeah, especially how he's playing right now. He he's going to command some some money, some you know. So we'll see. But that's where that's where it's that's what it's looking at. That's what I'm looking at right now for the Rangers. And just uh, quickly going back to the whole Zibanejad and Gallant point. If you think about it, imagine if he really didn't get on Mika and Mika was still complaining about it and Mika didn't wind up getting into the zone, we we would have been in overtime. We wouldn't have known what would have happened. Yeah. So, honestly, Andrew, I don't mind him giving him giving it to him right there, uh-huh. right then and there on the bench on the live, on the live television because yeah. if he wasn't doing it during the game, Mika, he may not have been there and it could have been a completely different game. We could have lost in overtime, you know? Yeah, you know. So, I, mean, I, I, don't, you know. I don't mind it. I was just really concerned as to what happened. But now that I know what it was, I don't mind that at all. That was my assumption. Uh, I actually saw that before it happened. And I was saying that everybody was kind of like, I don't think that's what happened because he ended up getting back into the zone. Um, but I mean, because I, because I thought when it happened, I thought there should have been a call on I kind of agreed with Mika. I thought he should have gotten a uh, call. I thought it was a cross check or something, but no, nah, apparently not. Yeah, no. And, and it is what it is. Obviously we got to win. So it's something yeah. that was get brushed over. Yeah. That's all that matters. So- all right, so moving on, we're going to be talking about uh, the New York Islanders and uh, their troubles, to say the least, um, to figure out what's going on with them. Uh, yesterday, they opened up their UBS Arena uh, tenure at, with a five with with a five two loss to the Calgary Flames. Um, just got absolutely outplayed from start you can't, to finish. Can't even get a big win in your stadium opening, like. I know. Um, they played awful. Just straight up, they played like like dog shit. To be quite honest, um, not a single, uh, not a lot of sustained offense is basically what I'm saying. And also on the defensive end, just getting absolutely lost to the shuffle with Calgary, who um, actually beat Boston tonight. So they're on a little bit of a hot streak. They they've obviously they did their damage at the Rangers. They're a great team. Um, but they came into UBS Arena, raucous crowd, and and they they shut that crowd right up with a five two victory. Um, just quickly before moving on to tonight's game, I want to say that UBS Arena though that that place. I don't know if you guys watched any bit of the you know the pregame ceremony. Watch the uh, I watched the beginning of the pregame. Yeah, ceremony. that place is really cool. Um, and it is a you know, a new arena, a new landmark to the, you know, the metropolitan area. So I definitely can't wait to check out a game there for sure. Um, probably next year, I'm going to try to make it there, but um, I definitely, definitely want to get a look at that new place. I heard it's really cool. It's right next to uh, the Belmont racetrack. It's like right around there. They redid that whole area. So um, definitely a cool new landmark, definitely to New York city, to, to the Island. And, you know, it's important, though, because uh, I will say this for the Islanders just real quickly. You know, they've always had their identity at the uh, at the Coliseum and stuff like that. But to get a new modern barn kind of signifying, you know, they're they're shifting their ways now too. you know, they're getting their own home. Um, and the building's really cool, like I said. So it'll yeah. definitely be it'll definitely be fun to see. I think it's the biggest positive they've had all season. Honestly, yeah, and that crowd was awesome last night. That crowd was really cool. Um, and then tonight they played so back to back. They they give them a back to back at home, and you think, all right, for sure they won tonight. And they they got shut out tonight by Toronto, who obviously Ricky actually mentioned it. This that stretch of difficult games for them, they lost every game. Um, they're still on the difficult stretch. Yeah, they're on a six-game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. They're, but they're on a six-game losing streak right now. They have to play the Rangers Wednesday night at their place, seven 7.30 start, hot Wednesday. Um, I can't wait to watch that. I'll be home for that. So I, I definitely want to watch that with my dad. Uh, that, played, that, that game's going to be fun to watch. Um, but the Islanders, it's crazy because uh, one of the Stanley Cup favorite. actually they weren't really necessarily a cup favorite, but they're definitely a team that people look to take that jump this year. And right now they're sitting at a record five, eight and two. 
uh, six-game losing streak. What is going on with them? Uh, Andrew, do you have anything? Ricky, do you have anything? What do you think, fellas? You know, it's – how do I really put this? This this game against uh, the Leafs just reinforced everything we've been seeing from the Isles all season. Their offense just looks horrible. It's just not there. And, you know, here's the thing. When you have a team constructed the way the Islanders are constructed, where they don't really have – I mean, you can count Barzell, but honestly, they're built more as a one of those kind of team units, not necessarily having, like, the big-name stars on their roster. Again, we talked about it earlier with the whole um, Knicks-Nets thing. It's kind of similar when you think about it with the Rangers and the Islanders. You've got in the in, with the Rangers, you got the big names right now. I mean, you got Panarin, you've got Zabenajad, and then I guess you I'd count Fox as a big name now with how he played last year and now how he's playing this year. And then with the Isles, it's not to say you have bad players, but you're relying on being a cohesive uh, unit with a lot of quality depth, and it's just not showing. And when that doesn't work, you can get stretches like this where your offense is just dead. And your defense just – after a while, your defense it's, – it's kind of like in football where the offense goes three and out like three drives in a row. You, you can't just keep leaving the defense out there to die. Yeah. There, there's been no sustained offensive pressure in the zone at all uh, for the most of the year. Uh, it's been very rare. Um, especially here in the six-game losing streak, it's even been worse. It's even more glaring of an issue. Um, and I'm actually surprised. I've never seen the Islanders do this over the last few years. It's been – I don't even know the last time they had a six-game losing streak. I haven't – you know, I didn't watch all the game tonight. I saw uh, glimpses of it. Toronto outplayed them. They're a fast team, very good team. Um, you know, maybe will this be their year? Everyone asks that question every year. Probably not, but um, – yeah, the Islanders don't look good. They I'm have the, they're here right now. Yeah, they have the Rangers coming up. And listen, not not toot our own horn, but we are a hot team right now, so they have to play another surging team. Um, they're in not a good place right now. And I know um, that's definitely probably difficult on the fan base starting off 0-2. So. I mean, there's not much else to say for the Isles and – other than that, all I could say is if we looked ahead and we do like a little bit of a Rangers-Isles preview right now, what I would say is that the Rangers are catching the Islanders at the right time, obviously. This, this, yeah, this would that would this be 100% would, accurate. This is the that right would, stretch you want to catch them in. And, you know, you got the Rangers who, yeah, they, they kind of had that a little bit of that setback in Toronto, as we discussed, but they still played well at least to end the game. And they definitely played better tonight. Yeah, so, I mean, especially so, tonight. Tonight, yeah. listen – we got off that slow start, but we ended up, listen, we ended up out shooting Buffalo 36 to 22. We carried play in the third period. Yeah. Um, again, I mean, overall, a decent game Isles, the key with our the- backup goalie and getting the win. Like, yeah, sure. I, I can't complain. The key so. to this game for the Rangers coming up against the Islanders is just going to be to get on them early offensively. If the Rangers could score early, I don't think the Isles have the firepower to come. I agree. I 100% agree. I agree with you guys too on this, but. There's a little part of me just um, when I'm a, when I'm a Jets fan, a lot of teams come in and play the Jets as a get right game. Right. Like, yes, we got the Jets. We're going to get back on track. So as a Ranger fan, obviously, the Rangers are much better than the Jets. The Islanders scare you, don't they? I just fear that it's going to be a get right game. They're going to get their first win in their new arena and it's going to be and it's going to be. Why would you put such I'm just, blasphemous I'm, thoughts out into the air? I just don't want you guys. Your Jets voodoo is hanging over it, us right it now. It really is. And it's really bad. But ah. I don't know. I'm just. But you're absolutely right. I was just I'm thinking just that. Worried. Before, I mean, we play them. We I've, play them twice in five days. Yeah. We should win both, but I could just really, really see us going into oh, the new arena no. Wednesday night and just the new not arena. Up. That crowd is going to be even more so than. Uh, hey, it, it's a rival. It's a rivalry game. game. You're right. It's it doesn't matter. Game. It doesn't matter. They're on a six game losing streak. No, it's, yeah, it's a rivalry. Everything's game. out I mean, the window Wednesday night. You know, it's kind of funny, and I feel bad saying this, but as a Ranger fan, I always put the Islanders in kind of that second tier of rivals. I don't know what it was. It's just I, kind I of disagree. Never, I kind of never cared about <laughs> I them. Gav was gonna I, disagree. I knew you were going to disagree, but for me, I mean, to me, it was just always Pittsburgh. I don't know. I just despise Pittsburgh. That's just me. 
Uh, I think Pittsburgh and Washington are the two teams I, th- I always hated. I think for us, it's a hundred percent. Our I would say even th- three. It's it's the Islanders one. I would say it's the Devils, Devils one. Devils two, and then I'd throw Philly three. I don't think Pittsburgh's our yeah, rival Philly. by any means. Yeah, I don't think Pittsburgh or Washington. I think we play. We've Pittsburgh. played Pittsburgh and Washington growing up. Like, yeah, we played them in the yeah. playoffs. Like, often. I think that's what it was. It's just growing up as a Ranger fan. Those were the teams we played. Like in the important games yeah. down the stretch. But so in terms just... of in terms of the actual fan bases, like clashing, it's definitely those three teams. And yeah, I'd say probably say the probably, Islanders are one. I would say the Devils won. Ricky, what do you think? I think Bigger. I think I agree with Gav. It's the Islanders. It's wow. it's got to be the Islanders. But dude. I just want to point out, like, the Devils are playing good. Did you guys see, um, like, the MSG 150 thing? Yeah. Did you guys see yeah. the save that Blackwood made on the Lightning on that break? Yeah. That dude, yep, the two, that that dude came one, two one, 2 That dude, yeah. Blackwood, oh, yeah, he, will, one he will look like Swiss cheese sometimes, and then sometimes he'll look like the second coming of Marty Brodeur. Like, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that's Devil, for sure. He, he's Devil the epitome of inconsistency, that guy. But, um... Uh, just uh, before we yeah, move to football, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to say with the Islanders, um, you know, they got shut out about 10 days ago to the Devils. Um, and in that game, though, they were able to get 42 shots on net. So you guys tell me, I don't know what's worse. Is it a 42 shots and not being able to score or a night like tonight where they couldn't even produce that many shots? They only got 20 shots on net. And they obviously they got blanked. It, it goes to show how bad their offense has been and they're just not scoring. But now that they're – they're really not even getting that many shots on net. And they were out, they were outscored, not outscored, but outshot. You know, the Leafs doubled their shot total. It was 40 to 20. I mean, I think would, there's a difference yeah, between you go throwing, first. there's a difference between throwing a bunch of pucks on that and then getting quality shots. I'd have to look at it individually. I mean, you could have 42 shots, but say like 20 of them are just people flinging the puck at the net. True. That's not efficient. But, but I, it's showing an opportunity base, for a rebound. A or something number, too. Well, I mean, to be to be fair, the Leafs just ran them out of the building. That that's just I think it, I think it says more about honestly their opponent than it says about them in that particular case. Yeah, it, in my opinion, though, like like you said, tonight was just complete utter domination. Uh, the Devils game, though, they did put up a fight, and although they were shut out for nothing, forty two shots, the shot total the shot total to me does indicate something. I, I know that sometimes there are easy saves and there are scoring opportunities and whatever you can look at all the different categories. But they almost doubled the devil shot total, um, and it was just more about capitalization there. They didn't capitalize at all. So if they're, they're, the opportunities were there, they didn't capitalize. But in terms of a night like tonight, they were absolutely run out of their own building tonight. They never once competed tonight. No. Um, they were never – they never even had any sense that they were going to take over the game or try to lead in the game or – Whatever the Leafs put a penny on them. So what I, does that make t- uh, Toronto eleven in their last twelve? Is that correct? Uh, I think eleven, eleven in their last twelve, or ten, uh, or ten of their last eleven. It's either one of those. Oh my God! The Leafs. Well, no, they lost to them. Pittsburgh in between. Um, oh, us they and did Islanders. lose to Pittsburgh in between. Oh, I so it would be eleven out of thirteen, which is still not a bad stretch. So eleven yes. out of thirteen and. A snapped five game win streak. Yeah. That loss in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Wow. But um, just right. before we before we move on though, I just wanted to say in this six game losing streak, they're getting outscored twenty seven to six. They're averaging one oh. goal a game in this losing streak. As as a podcaster, not as a Ranger fan, Wednesday night's the game to get right for the Islanders, and I hate to say it. I hope they don't. I hope it's Friday night against the Penguins, but. I, Ricky, I'm calling again? absolute cap for you on that. That is only something a ranger, a, a fearful ranger fan would say. Any objective it's, person would come into this and look at it as bleeds green. Like it's someone who bleeds green. I'll tell you that. Oh All right. God. And speaking of bleeding green, how about my boys? We got the second overall pick now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How about it. Yeah. Oh man, dude, Something I was looking at. Um, dude, I was looking at Twitter. Right. How are you below the Jaguars? but um i was hoping the lions were gonna win today man at this point we can get the first overall pick the lions are not i mean the one honestly if just to talk about the lions for a second because obviously thanksgiving and everything the lions i mean their best chance of winning a game might be thanksgiving against the bears if justin fields doesn't play that that might be and with no clue that might be that might be their best chance 
But, I mean, just this defense, the Jets' defense, they played better today. You know, not a powerful offense coming out of Miami. But I just want to throw out some names there. Do you guys know who Elijah Riley is? No. Okay. Isn't that a baseball player? No. Do you know who Isaiah Dunn is? No. Okay. And you might know who this is because he just kind of had a decent breakout earlier in the year. Quincy Williams? No. I don't know. I always confuse him with Quinnen Williams. Okay. So Quincy is Quinnen's brother. And I just wanted to let you know that those three players were all starting for the Jets defense this week. Nobody's. I mean, they just are so young. And I don't know if either of you were watching the game at all, but there was just one play. And I feel like I've been learning more and more about schemage and coverages and whatnot. There was just one play where the corner was blitzing off the edge. So Ashton Davis was coming down to guard, to like play his zone or whatever in the flat. Right. And then, so they had two guys lined up on the left side. One guy, sort of like a hook route kind of. And so the safety... Um, I think it was Riley or maybe Dunn. It, Dunn was a corner. It was two young guys. I don't know which one it was. It was one of them. Was supposed to get the deep zone, right? So right. he just bit on the hook route when Ashton oh, Davis is there. No. And that's how they got beat on that 60-yard no. touchdown. And it's just like – it's just stuff like that. Oh. I understand they're young, but, like, Rob Sala's got to do something. If, if your defense is that young, a play like that, somebody that doesn't know much about schemage, Watching that happen, I know that can't happen. So, coming from someone who does know a bit more about schemage, um, you're absolutely right. That is the that is a big no no on a play like that. You, the one thing is when people don't understand zone defense, the way zone defense zone defense only works if everybody does their job, and the biggest busted coverages are always on zone because it's somebody either it's a linebacker usually or a safety somebody bit on an underneath route that's usually what happens and the big thing with that is you're absolutely right rick and this is where now people will lament this and this is comes from a lot of the people who like just play the video just play video games like oh why don't you just play all the young guys no 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 this is where having a couple of veterans on the team would really make a difference this is where you bring in those vets to help mentor these young guys, guys who know, who even if they don't maybe know the exact system, have played in similar ones and can show and can kind of help the young guys. But you have a side like that where even we had Ashton Davis and then it was those other two. Um, it was one of the two. I don't remember which one. one. I'm assuming it was the safety. I'm assuming it was Either Riley. way, Ashton Davis isn't a young, isn't an old guy either. That's another young guy. So you got right. a bunch of young Our, guys on one side of a defense. You can, a, a good team is going to attack that all day. Dude, our veteran in the secondary is the injured Marcus May, who was drafted the same mm-hmm. year as Jamal Adams, which is what, four seasons ago? Three, four. I Three, mean, four. That, that's our veteran in the secondary, you know? And he's not even playing. Kept Brian Poole. I mean, at least a, I liked Brian Poole. He was a great slot a corner. He was yeah. <clears throat> he was one of the higher rated PFF slot corners. I know a lot of people think PFF is garbage, whatever. But uh, he was quality I, out of the I, slot. I don't, I don't think they're garbage. I think their rating system is just kind of uh, you know they they try to boil it all down to one number too much, and they don't take a lot of other things into consideration. They they are very recency bias type people. Right. But that's what they use. That's what Madden uses for their ratings. So I mean, who am I to judge? But uh, two big takeaways. Um, one, Joe Flacco looking great. No, well, not one. Not really a takeaway. One kind of just a statement. Um, not a good statement. Um, Michael Carter was limping off the field with an apparent injury, ankle injury. Uh, I haven't heard anything about it. Uh, Sala will probably report on it more tomorrow. Or that is that is the Tuesday. exact quote that I heard is that uh, we will find out more tomorrow. Yeah. So that's. Hopefully he's all right. You know, he he was doing good today. He was on pace for a new career high in rushing yards, but obviously that got cut short in like the third quarter or so. Um, I really like him. He's, you know, we talked about him and Javante Williams a bit last episode. I think he's going to be great. And um, just another huge, huge props to Elijah Moore. Again, another great game today. He had over 100 yards, a 60-yard touchdown. Um, he's fast. He's quick, too. He made a great catch on that play. But uh Last three games, he's almost got 300 yards and four touchdowns. He's fine in the end zone. I wish it was with Zach Wilson throwing the ball to him, you know, but you can't get everything in life, I guess. But I don't think um, that's everything. I think that's the minimum, at least. <laughs> yeah, right. But um, I would say 
if Zach's not healthy, there's no question they're not going to switch it up again. Flacco would probably be quarterbacking again. I just really do hope that um, this is the week that Wilson can finally get a full practice going. So for an update on that, this is the quote from Robert Sala after the game. Quote, we'll feel him out over the next two days to see where he's at mentally and physically. You want to know what that means mentally? That means that he's scared he's losing his job to Mike White. I've, I heard it on the radio. Uh, obviously, Mike White's not starting anymore, but yeah, somebody was for saying, Joe Fla- If you can't beat out Joe Flacco yeah. at this point in his career, you shouldn't be in the NFL. Like, Jesus. Although it may not have been the worst thing to start him off like this, to have him ride the bench because that's – This should have been what they did to begin yeah. with. This should have been – this is the guy you should have just kept. Didn't they have Flacco last season? Wasn't he on this roster last year? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why did you not – and you reacquired him. Why did you not just sign him to a veteran minimum deal or whatever he got from Philly? Start him the first like four games of the year, then go to Wilson. Why what, wouldn't have been opposed? What was to so hard about that? I, this is the stuff that like, this is the stuff where you wonder if it's because it's a rookie, a very young coaching staff who maybe isn't as experienced with that. This, this is just one of the. This is just the little things that bother me about teams when they build up their young guys. It, Tanking is fine, but you still need development for it to work. Otherwise, it's just being bad. There's a difference between tanking and just being bad. Like the Texans aren't tank aren't tanking. The Texans are just bad. The Jets are tanking pretty much. They're rebuilding. Yeah. They should but, but you should be seeing flashes and you should be seeing well, marginal improvement as we go along. They're not winning, but to see Elijah Moore breaking out, Michael Carter's doing great. Right. AVT's a solid lineman. You hope yeah, that I mean, comes just back. To, like, but, those are some but, solid pieces. But then, Zach Wilson is the guy you need to see that. Yes. In any rebuild, you need to see the quarterback. A game where he goes for even like 200 yards, a couple touchdowns, and just doesn't turn the ball over would be a great sight to see. And hopefully, hopefully we'll see that this week, coming week, they play um, they're at this, Houston. So obviously, this game will be a true test of the Jets' plays, tanking uh, ability. This yeah. will be a true test of their tanking ability. I mean, they should try need, to win the game, though. No, you need to lose this game. This well, is no, crucial a crucial draft team, on the line. Crucial. Okay, Andrew, you don't think they're going to try and win a game? Look what happened last year. I remember crying in Gavin's house when the Jets won a game, okay? Gav, I'm sure you remember that when we yeah. were I was yeah. you know what you know what you need to do? Do you remember that game against the Raiders last year? Do you oh, remember oh. that botched Hail Mary coverage? That yeah, that botched, guy was I'm, I'm really saying fast that was some sarcasm. Yeah, we're not gonna talk about him. I'm not gonna give him a spotlight on the show. Okay. But let's just say a really fast receiver on the Raiders was given one-on-one coverage with like what was it, 15 seconds left in the game, if even about that. Like that is it was done right. That is as blatantly obvious of a tank job that you could do without making it blatantly obvious. Like that, that's what I expect to happen. They'll just do it with Brandon Cooks this time. Yeah, They'll but then why Cooks. would they go out and beat the Rams last year, one of the best teams in the league? And then and then they well, don't see, get Trevor. That, see, that's just means you know? they weren't good at tanking. Just, I don't know. No, they're still gonna try to win the football game. They go out and they go, they go out and they try to win every game. Because if you don't, then it's clear you're not gonna be fit for the NFL and you're gonna get fired. Obviously, the Jets are not fit for playoffs, but they're not going to go out there and lose on purpose. They do want to win games. They've won know, two ask, games Brian, already. Ask Brian Flores and the Dolphins you just beat. That dude's been unceremoniously tanking for the last three years, yet people have him as like a top seven coach. They won 10 games last year. It, with a weak schedule. Oh, yeah, stop. 10 they games won. is 10 games. And they didn't they, make they the playoffs. They should have been a playoff team last year. Please, every team that they played that was a above 500 or a quality team exposed them. Did you see what Buffalo did to them twice? They last beat year? the Ravens a week ago. One of the a top, a top. They beat the AFC. Ravens because Lamar couldn't adjust to a six man blitz. Don't give me that. And that you got to give the credit to Flores on that. I'm not giving the credit to Flores. If anything, it's an indictment on Harbaugh at that point. Oh God! I disagree. I, I just say that I, this, I think Brian Flores is a is a, one of the more over. I'm not saying now. Don't take this the wrong way. He's not a bad coach. He deserves to be an NFL coach. He should be a coach. I just think he's slightly overrated. That's just my opinion. I mean, I'm not even talking about uh, Brian Flores. I'm still on the fact that you don't think the Jets are going to go out there and try to win. <laughs> oh, of course, the players are going to go out there and try to win, and the coaches are going to try to win. Of course, everybody. No, nobody's fond of tanking. Everybody wants to keep their jobs. Everybody wants to go out for next year. 
But in the back of the mind, that front office and even the coaching staff a little bit, we got to be thinking, ooh, you know, we could play good, but if we lose this game, we could get a lot higher in that draft. Andrew, of course that's on their mind. Of yeah, course that's on their mind. It. They're, yeah, they're going in. They're looking to win tomorrow, no but if they lose, they no one, no one really is gonna is gonna like shed any tears. Is basically yeah, exactly. what it is. Yeah, but it, I think they, I, as a fan, I'd still want to see progress, and I'd still want to see them try to get a win. It, it feels better when the team way. wins. Let me put it this way: If Zach Wilson's playing, then go out and out get the win, get him confidence. Honestly, if Flacco plays, it might be better for them if they lose. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I, I I don't I don't mind with that. Like if if Zach Wilson plays and we start winning games, I could care less what pick we get. If Zach absolutely Wilson because that games. will be positive steps. Regar- I mean, you're regardless, and the rest of the team is meshing together. That would be a good thing to see. Regardless at this, this yeah. Year, regardless at this point, though, the Jets are going to end up with a bottom, like with a top pick in the draft. Is what I'm saying. They're going to finish at the bottom I would of the say league. So yeah. So let them just try to win as many games as possible. Let's see certain players develop, and that's just kind of how I look at it. I'm I don't know. This is I'm going to be the one with the Sam Hinkie mindset on this show. That's just going to be me for this. Yeah, no, I guess so. I think this is a new segment we're going to have to include, and it's going to be Ricky's updates on the Tankathon for the Jets and Giants. <laughs> right now, the Jets own the second and the fifth overall pick. Oh, I love Two this. Two and five. This is a Giants segment. The Giants go back to back right after us at six and seven. The New York Jets and the New York Giants are have four of the top seven. A picks. lot of real estate. It's, it's a, a lot, lot of real estate. Is, you know, but, I mean the Bears are awful. The Bears are awful. So oh, I mean Gavin, root for those Lions on Thanksgiving, man. We, we, I am. What are you talking about? Them. I love Dan Campbell. So I'm, I'm rooting for him. Knock those Bears down another peg. Yeah. So speaking of that. Uh, we talked about this already last episode. Yeah, we but... briefly covered the Giants, yeah. obviously. They're playing Monday. Um, the only real new information I got is officially Antonio Brown is out. He will yes. not be playing Monday. And Gronk, I believe, is still questionable. He and Saquon's two. back. Saquon is back. I was going to let Gavin do that one, yes. Uh-huh. Saquon's yeah. back. And Saquon's Andrew back. Thomas, I believe, is supposed to be Yeah, back. yeah. You, uh, you guys talked about that last week. Talked about that last Other... week. Uh, I'm trying to think. The Giants. What do we think, fellas? I want. I want score predictions out of both of you. I have. I'll go last, but I want to hear what you guys are going to say first. Score predictions. Um, you know, it's weird. Everybody's kind of predicting this game to be an offensive shootout. That would be the the normal way to think about this. I'm going to be the medium here. I'm going to go the opposite direction. I think this game is going to end up going somewhere between. I would say, if I had to make a guess right now. I'm going to go 20 to 13 uh, with the Bucs taking the win. You said 28 or 20? 20, 20 to 13. Right. I honestly was going to say clo- – uh, actually, I'll just say because I'm, I'm next up on this little screen in front of me. Um, I, had the, I had the Giants losing by like eight, I think, realistically, like around eight, uh, around the score. Um, I think they keep it close for the majority of the game. I just think the Buc- the Bucks eventually get to us. I mean, I this is how it was last time we played them. We actually um took it down to the wire. Uh, that was a great Med- game last time. It was a, g- a great game, and I'll tell you what: Brady gets up for the Giants. Though the Bucks have dropped two straight, they're not going to drop a third. I, I just think the can't Giants get up for Brady. I think there's just something about Brady playing the Giants. We do give him a hard time. Energized. Give him a hard time. Give him a hard time. But uh, I'm not. I'm not expecting really to win. But if we do win, I'm certainly very happy because I, I like seeing that we can compete against good teams. I really. Is this a um? Is this like a big game for Daniel Jones? Like, does he need to play really well in this game just in general? Because now, yeah, he's got, he's got his blindside blocker back. He's got his star running back back. Yeah, this feels well, like a game. Well, I'm worried, Andrew. That you need to put up some numbers. Andrew, I'm worried just because the fact a lot of this is out of his control. I feel that Jason Garrett's one of the worst play callers in the league. I think he's I so bad at playing. Agree. I, I think he's so bad at calling plays. In fact, it, one of the I few people awful. I would actually put under him is the guy who replaced him in Mike McCarthy. I, I think other than that, I mean, currently in the NFL, worst play callers: um, Mike McCarthy, Jason Garrett, Mike Zimmer's horrible. Um, but I don't even think he calls plays at this point anymore. And actually, well, number one would be Matt Nagy. Yeah, yeah, but but I I certainly think that Garrett scares me a lot with this offense. We're very conservative. I just it's want just I, so I, like blah. Why why are you going to sign Kenny Galladay if you don't throw the ball to him more than twice a game at most? Sometimes he goes scoreless on the score sheet, man. 
I mean, it's I all these dump off you, plays. You have, you have four gr- solid receivers. Four solid, solid receivers. receivers. Yes. A, I know everybody hates on Evan Ingram, but the dude's got talent. I mean, he's also had nice a good be, season this year. Yeah, if you've actually nice watched them play, yeah, it'd be nice if he didn't have bricks for hands sometimes. But he has. But he's a good. He's a good receiving tight end. And you got is Kyle Rudolph playing or is he? Yeah, playing? he's a yeah. He's he currently playing. playing. He's, he's, he's a red playing. zone. Okay, cool. Red zone Another, target. A great red zone threat. And now you've got Saquon back, and you've got a quality left tackle. Do something. I mean, if it's it, you're facing a Bucks team that's allowing what like top ten in the NFL right now for points, and points allowed. Yeah, points allowed. Yeah, yep. Like this has to be a game, prime time, big game where your offense shows up. Because otherwise, let me put it to you this way: if the Giants lose this game and it's a low-scoring, questionable play calling game because they ran too conservatively, I'm just going to say this right now: you might think this is a little much. Jason Garrett should be fired. He should have been fired weeks ago, though. He should have been fired weeks ago. Not, but, but, I, but, I a na- but a national football, a nationally televised game um, should be the statement that hammers at home. Mara, you really want to make some changes with this team? Jason Garrett, you got to go. Got to go. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I, the Giants are going to have a chance, though. I think it's going to oh, be. Oh, they absolutely will have a chance. It's going to come down to it. I got the Bucks only winning by three. I got the oh, Bucks. Wow. All right. I got it 27-24. Okay. But uh, I think the Giants will have a chance late in the game, but I just think the you know Brady's gonna Brady will pull it off. You know? I think yeah. the thing I think the thing is with the Giants is just gonna be starting if they if they start slow, the game could maybe get out of hand because I could see Garrett doing some dumb play calling. Yeah, we'll see though. I'm I'm optimistic. I'm just gonna enjoy watching the game. Honestly, we'll see. Yeah, I mean you got nothing to lose, so yep. it's probably yeah, the best that's probably that's for sure. That's for sure. And uh, we got anything else? I think that's gonna do it this week. Yep, I think that's going to do it for this episode. We will see you uh, in our next one, which should be uh, Thursday. Thank you all very much for listening. I'm Andrew Vancura alongside Ricky Valerio and Gavin O'Grady. This is GCS signing off.